affiliate marketers and media buyers like me, we think on the creative side, we think about how do we do this if Facebook restricted us with this, right? So a lot of people just come to me by mostly referral technically, and they want to see the a problem that they're going through with a with a creative solution. Uh, well, if you're buying media, more so a lot of people think like, hey, I spent $100, I should make $100 back. That's really a bad mentality. It's some people you really have to, after all the cleaning and, you know, move, moving and adjusting creatives and basic optimization, you're probably spending a couple of grand, wasting a couple of grand, right? Um, look, like focusing on, on the anatomy of a landing page, uh, I think you might have alluded it before, but what are the core elements or information architecture that you need in order to pull your landing page layout to convert as highly as possible? Hi, I'm Andrew Tran. I help organizations find their strategic purpose and enable them to create amazing customer experiences. I've been in the game of marketing and sales for over 15 years across various roles from cutting my teeth on the sales room floor to strategizing and executing truly transformational projects that have made an impact on customers. On this show, I speak to business professionals from around the world in areas of leadership, branding, marketing, and sales. Welcome to The Point of View Show. My name is Andrew Tran. I'm your host. Uh, today, we're talking to Ian Fernando, um, all the way over from Brazil at the moment. Ian, how are you? I'm doing good. How's everything on your end? <laughs> good, 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 man. Good, good, good. Hey, um, today I want to talk about the anatomy of a landing page. And so before we kind of dive into that, uh, it would be nice to kind of, you know, let the people who are watching and listening know a little bit about you. So Ian, if you could uh, do a little bit of intro of yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, the fast version of it is I'm pretty much a performance marketer. Uh, I do consulting, create my own products. Uh, but most of my past history is performance marketing, direct response marketing, uh, affiliate marketing. Uh, in essence, pretty much I tend to buy ads as cheap as possible and try to make them convert on the other end, whether it be maybe a client, an affiliate offer, a CPA, CPL offer, or even just my own product that I create. So most of my time is either buying ads or conversions. And with that in mind, like, I think it's going to be pretty interesting when we start trying to get your tips in terms of understanding, like, what is the best way to do up a landing page, how to build a landing page that kind of converts as well as possible. Obviously, like traffic is really, really important, but then there's certain elements within the landing page that's going to be really important as well. But firstly... Uh, as an icebreaker, mate, if international travel opens up properly in Asia, what is the one place you want to head to and why? For me, I think it's uh, from all my traveling, I think for me, it's, it's going back to Vietnam. You know, I think Vietnam is such a fruitful country in itself where it is just growing, busy, but calm at the same time. It's it's so serene. The, the vibe and environment there is amazing. Like, um, I don't even have to cook pretty much for the rest of my life just because I have street vendors that are pretty much uh, cheap uh, and healthy at the same time. So um, I just love Vietnam in itself. It's super fast growing. I remember the first time I, I went there, nobody was into tech. And then second time I kind of went probably after two years, everybody was into tech and they're growing. Into tech. It's just a fast pacing, slow moving 
uh, country, if, if that makes sense, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it does. It's, it's, I feel like Vietnam's in this weird precipice where they're about to jump, like about to do a leap somewhere in technology. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, but they're just, it's like one or two things is, needs to happen before that kind of occurs, but they're pretty close. Um, in terms of city in Vietnam, uh, where's your favorite? For sure, Ho Chi Minh, just because I've been there the most. I'd rather, I definitely want to check out uh, more Da Nang, the city beach area. Right, right now, I'm currently in Brazil and I live in a city beach town. And it's a New York, two blocks away. It feels like Miami. And uh, I think I, I kind of want to experience that in, in Asia. Uh, and Asia just has a lot of beach, beach places, which is fun. But I feel like the Nang might be the city beach vibe uh, yep. I might look for. But currently right now, uh, Ho Chi Minh City. I mean, you've lived everywhere around the world, right? So, you, I mean, at one point you lived in Thailand for a minute. Is that right? Yeah, correct. Thailand. I mean, I've lived in most of uh, Southeast Asia from Thailand, Malaysia, Cambodia, Philippines, Japan. I mean, you name it. I, I, I've been there. So, yeah, man. Your passport's uh, getting I've probably been over. I don't even know how many countries I've been to, actually. Uh, <laughs> definitely over like 40 plus. I just And now I'm exploring South America right now. Most of South America and Latin America is pretty much vaccinated. So most of the countries are pretty much open uh, with pretty much no restriction, which is pretty good. The only uh, thing is you just... Certain places won't let you in, like gyms, right? Unless you get a vaccination and, and all that nature. But yeah. Yeah, nice, man. Nice. And um, look, like moving on, like, you know, we, you touched on your background a little bit, right? And you also touched on your globe trotting digital marketing consultant, some might say a digital nomad, but you've been really been able to build some really successful businesses, like earning six, seven figures. What is the main lesson you've learned through this journey so far? Oh, man. Um, I think. This is very, this question or answer for me always changes, right? It's because it depends what part of my life I'm in. Um, and for me, I think right now it's understanding who I am as a person, right? So when I made my first like um, eight figures, uh, it was awesome. Um, and it was challenging for sure. But also like I realized like, hey, I'm not a good CEO. I'm not a good C-level person, right? I'd rather be uh, the media buyer. Um, just because when you start growing a business, you tend to do pretty much everything in between. And then you just want to make sure. So you tend to do the banking, accounting, human resources, right? And it took me away from what I was good at, which was buying media, data analytics, um, data mining and, and all that nature, right? It took me out of the creative process and just put me in, in a doing process, which uh, I think I realized was not my persona, right? And at that time, I think uh, for me, it was good to understand me as a person that I never want to have or be a C-level person anymore, right? A lot of people want to be the CEO and all that. That's cool, right? You might have a personality for it, but I know people, the reason why they hire CEOs is because they don't want to be CEOs. And I think for me, I've learned that as a person over time and the more companies I've built, I'd rather be put in a process or start a new process, but never be the visionary of the uh, plan, you know what I mean? Or the supporter of the plan. I mean, you need to have vision, just the CEO's job, main responsibility to have support for the company in, in essence. Yep. So. It's actually really interesting he said that because, you know, it, it, you went through that journey, right? To really kind of understand like who you are as a person, but also who you are as a business person. And then coming down to that point where it's like, hey, you know what? I love, I like being in the, in the thick of weeds. I like looking at data. I like analyzing. I like being creative in that sense. And I like optimizing. I like moving quickly. And uh, I think, you know, knowing you, you know, outside of this, like uh, you, you have that type A personality where 
um, you know, you, you just want to get shit done. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what I want to do. Right. I mean, I'm consulting for a company right now and it's crazy that they're so successful, but they're so also disorganized. Right. And it's, uh, it's very interesting how that works. Organized chaos may work, but I mean, I, I feel like most of the time you're losing time, you know? So, yeah. What, what do you, what do you think like when um, small businesses or when businesses anyway, reach out to you, whether or not the agency side or client side, what, what do you think is like the big uh, issue or big challenge that they face uh, and the reason why they come to you? I guess more of creativity and optimization. Well, optimization comes from creativity, but most of the time I feel like a lot of people come to me because they hire somebody that is a media buyer or a data analytics person and they're a studious, they have a studious background, right? They graduated, they have this, um, they got a Google AdWords certification, Facebook certification, right? But they follow these protocols that Google and Facebook tell them to do, right? Because they went through this training. Whereas affiliate marketers and media buyers like me, we think on the creative side, we think about how do we do this if Facebook restricted us with this, right? So a lot of People just come to me by mostly referral technically, and they want to see the a problem that they're going through with a with a creative solution, right? And I think a lot of people come to me for that, right? Just because, hey, my media team currently is is stuck. What can we do to do this, right? Then I'll give them, I'll look over their campaign, see what their bidding strategy is currently, and I'll think of a, another way to get uh, cheaper clicks. Um, for them, maybe it's landing pages or maybe increasing the CTRs, uh, maybe adjusting their flows with their funnels, things of that nature, right? I bring more of the creative side, which I think a lot of people are looking for because in marketing, you need to have both uh, left and right brain, right? Um, I'm definitely more the left brain just because I am, I am analytical, but I am also right just because I have to be creative with that data, right? Uh, but most people tend to be either left or right. And I would, I'm able to mend those together in a way where it works for both both parties. I like what you also said. It kind of comes back down to actionable recommendations or actionable solutions. And so you're able to kind of use your left and right brains in a sense, because you're able to kind of use data to deduce your argument and your point, and then able to enable your team to kind of come up with creative concepts uh, that will then kind of answer whatever challenge that the clients are kind of facing as well. Hey, so that actually kind of brings me to a point you just kind of talked about before in terms of affiliate marketing. Um, so you cut your teeth in affiliate marketing. You've been in the game for over 15 years. You post a ton of content resources around this. You've traveled around the world, like you've said, and to speak around the world as well. Um, and, yeah. you know, one of the things about, you know, affiliate marketing is driving that right traffic. And you said that before, driving the right traffic to the right side in order to convert as quickly and as easy as possible. And you can do it either like organically, but that takes a bit of time, or you can do it through paid media, which you kind of use to accelerate, get your learnings, adjust, optimize, and kind of move forward. In your experience, yeah. what are the common mistakes marketers make in their lead gen page? Uh, well, if you're buying media, more so a lot of people think like, hey, I spent $100, I should make $100 back. That's really a bad mentality. It's some people you really have to, after all the cleaning and, you know, move, moving and adjusting creatives and basic optimization, you're probably spending a couple of grand, wasting a couple of grand, right? And when I right. say wasting, you're not really wasting money. Um, I do that 
to basically filter out people when I talk to them, right? If I say wasting, people get so emotional and be like, oh my God, I don't want to lose money. Whereas maybe some people understand what wasting money is to like, oh, I am gaining data and I can actually decipher the data, right? That's just one example. The other example is just probably having not a perfectly optimized page and not optimized copy, right? Those two play hand in hand, right? The organization of copy versus the organization of landing page also makes a huge difference in how people actually read top to bottom or bottom to top, depending on who the audience is, right? right. Um, is it going to be more image heavy? Is it going to be more context heavy? Will it be more visual? You know, things of that nature, right? Uh, the thing is, just because there's so much variables, just the reason why you lose and waste so much money in the beginning, because you have to find these variables and pinpoint which one is actually perfect for your audience. And, and you also kind of talk about like uh, having to test and, and whether or not it's the copy or whatnot. Um, you know, there's tools out there like Crazy Egg, for instance, or Hotjar. Is there any other kind of tools that you use to kind of analyze a page? Um, not really. Most of the time, I, like right now, I am using Hotjar, right? Um, a lot of people tend to use Lucky Orange, which is another popular one. Hotjar is the only thing that I think is pretty much needed. You only just need to figure out basic heat map of the end user. But again, that's assuming you have a, the right format, right? And if you don't have the right format on the page, then sometimes you might be dealing with hot jar and figuring out why are people doing this? Why are people doing that? Uh, why are people just leaving right away? You know, another one I, I tend to use, which is more of a crowdsourcing um, app or application or website, I guess, is uh, PicFu. It's pretty cool where you just create a landing page and you tell people to do one thing and then they just try to describe their experience on that page, right? Um, this is more of a crowdsourcing feedback where people, where you can just throw a page out there uh, between two pages or whatnot and they'll say, oh, I like A more because of this or it was difficult to get into opt because of that, right? And that should give you feedback to the visual feedback. So that's one tool also I tend to use as well. Yeah, nice. And, and for anyone who's watching, listening, I'll put the links to you know all the all the resources that you know that ian kind of been talking about as well um look like focusing on on the anatomy of a landing page uh, i think you might have alluded it before but what are the core elements or information architecture that you need in order to for your landing page layout to convert as highly as possible uh yeah so it's a really basic strategy there's two i guess there's really no two versions of it there is like a, a who, what, why, and what uh, analogy, which is basically saying, uh, who am I, what do I have, why do you need me, and what to do next, right? Who, what, why, and what. Uh, the other version of that is pretty much the either rule, which is attention into desire um, and action, which is pretty much the same if you kind of look about it, like, who am I? Here's the attention. This is who I am, right? Uh, and then you have, uh, what do I have? Here's the intent, right? Um, why do you need this? Here's the desire for your, for your issues. What to do now? And there's the action, right? So those two are pretty much the same. Who, what, why, and what is pretty much like the old Tony Robbins, uh, Mike Hill saying strategy. It is more maybe the common term nowadays, right? Since I've been in this game for so long, I, I tend to grow up on the who, what, why, what version uh, Ada is fairly new. I don't think it's fairly new, but maybe like <laughs> seven years old, the terminology, I guess, right? You know, like attention can be reverted into awareness, right? But it's pretty much the same. Got the attention, 
what is the intent uh, or purpose that you have on this page? What do I have to deliver and why you should uh, function with me, which is the desire and uh, actionable item or a call to action on the bottom of the page and what to do next. So right. that's basically the format, basic, basic format. And uh, like for, for, I guess for like, you know, obviously it depends on the industry or it depends on the business, but say for instance, like we'll, we'll take like a small to medium business, right? And they might be selling something that, you know, um, might be considered high end, like it's, it's in a couple of thousands of dollars in terms of its product or service. When you try to build a landing page for that particular client, how would you, besides like the, you know, the, the variable factors that you kind of spoke about before and the methodology, is there anything else that you would try and get information off to kind of determine roughly like how much time you're going to need in order to a quote unquote waste a uh, bit of budget. So leverage a portion of that budget in order to test and learn um, and then kind of look towards like, uh, you know, some sort of gain and returns. Well, I think for lead gen, it's, it kind of varies, right? The consumer or client or whoever I'm talking to, they need to understand what is the value of that end user, right? If that end user stays with the company for three months, let's say an agency model, a contract of 90 days, and that person generated uh, them X amount of num uh, uh, revenue, then they should take that as the cost per lead gen uh, over time, right? And then over the right. amount of time they spent uh, on the ads or maybe six months. So it really, really depends. You have to understand that number value first, right? And then after that, I tend to like look at, okay, what does the agency product, what it would have to offer? What is the main benefit that it is giving me, right? Um, for example, let's take weight loss, right? A lot of people tend to like, hey, just lose weight, but why lose weight? You know what I mean? Lose weight because your, your husband's about to divorce you, right? There's an angle, more specific, more emotional, more cold-hearted, and then use that emotion to help trigger with the ads, right? The idea of the landing page is to constantly get them to flow uh, toward the action. And when they get to the action, they actually do take action. A lot of people, when they do copy, they just put the most generic stuff on there and it's cool having the generic stuff is good, but you're not getting actionable result. An actionable result is people actually scrolling through the page, reading through the page, clicking the button, right? There's engagement on that page. When there's no engagement on that page, then there's something wrong with the copy. Maybe something wrong with the organization and the layout, right? So those are the things that are pretty much important. And then once those are basically set up, when you do an ad, it's, it's pretty much easy. Now you have to use copy on the ad to be relevant enough to the page uh, that you created, right? I have a client now that we're doing lead gen for uh, their, um, I don't wanna say their, their specific agency, but they're basically B2B business. And I've created a, a lead gen page, which is very, very short, which basically tells them like, hey, uh, we know who I'm at, we know how, uh, who X amount is. We know how to do this, focus on your business. Here are the case studies, here's what to do now, right? Very, very simple. Um, and it's pretty much straight to the point. When I people go through the page, which is probably just another one scroll on, on a mouse, I know that they're interested. And then that allows me to actually fire Pixel to create an audience, or hopefully they schedule a call with, uh, with the client I have. And do you find like um, with B2B, there's a longer lead time. So, so therefore like you might have to generate several basis email like if you've captured the emails you've had to kind of create a bit of a funnel like a longer funnel than, than you would yeah exactly so right now we have we have a funnel that goes to a lead gen 
when the lead in between the lead gen, there's a pixel firing for actionable fire uh, for actionables, and it goes to the calendar, right? Obviously, there's a drop off. People tend to not want to go to or uh, schedule a call right away. Um, so we have a full funnel of yes and no's email series of what to do next. Like if um, the person did not schedule, an email gets sent out, welcome. Um, and this is a whole nother copy on what to do, right? Uh, just because this is a full marketing funnel. Again, just because you have a landing page, you buy media, you get uh, a lead, that's cool too, but you also have to work uh, on the series of the email. So we have the intro, who we are, right? Attention. Um, uh, the first one, if they did not click, or schedule a call within that email, they got put through a, a no process, then it goes through the next email series, right? The next email series is the, the intent. Oh, you know why I should use us because of this and this and that, right? Um, if there's a no schedule on that, it goes through another one, right? And we use the same process, the ADA process or uh, desire. But within desire, we tend to put now um, testimonials in this phase just because we're introducing ourselves more so to help the user's uh, potential to escalate their business more, right? So we have to back that up and we add testimonials in the email. And then there's a no, the last one is a more of a overall actionable item. We'll say, hey, we recognize, we saw that you didn't want to schedule with us, but here's several blog posts to keep in touch if you have any more questions, blah, 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 right? The email is more like a four or five day email series just to keep the user looking at our name, looking at our name, looking at our name and trying to get the engagement, right? And hopefully in that four or five day series, they click yes, the email series top and then a call gets scheduled and goes to a call center agent. So. Yep. And, and to tie it all in, do you also fire off, uh, sorry, do you also do remarketing? So when they land on certain social media platforms, um, they're able to kind of see, like you're able to kind of determine, okay, which part of the journey, like if you're using the ADA model, like which part of the journey that they're in, are they in that decision making zone or, or maybe they're in the, you know, they're probably further up. So they're more likely in that awareness moving into, you know, attention or, or desire or something like that. Yeah, of course. I mean, retargeting or remarketing is, is pretty much very important. Um, it's also, it's also another strategy to do it properly. In my opinion, um, a lot of people, they tend to just look at people that actually did the actionable stuff, landing page views or the conversions where I tend to just use each segment in a different way and I try to put them through a specific journey, right? So when I do retargeting, it's not just maybe through LinkedIn or Google, it's more like, oh, let me put all these pixels uh, in Google Tag Manager so I can create a ecosystem of retargeting where I can target these users on Twitter, maybe on some new sites, maybe on Facebook, maybe on other uh, native platforms or whatever. So this way I have a whole scope of where to target these users. Um, and then once I get those targeting users down from lead to uh, page view, to lead, to conversion, right? Then each one gets its own uh, series, almost like a different email series, right? One gets a potential intro, then it goes like, hey, you haven't checked this out, why didn't you feel scheduled? Second one's like, oh, you, you feel us, we know that you, um, Entered your email address, but you didn't schedule. And then we'll we'll go through this weird email series where it's, it's not stalkerish, but more like, um, hey, did you forget? I'm here, like I'm waiting my hand at type style where it's like, but I'm not saying like, hey, uh, it's, it's been three days since you haven't scheduled a call. You know, that's a little bit more creep, creepy. So we don't want to go that route. But each section of the retargeting gets its own mini funnel in, in a sense. Yeah. 
It's like a, a, a nice yeah. little nudge in a sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, so uh, like I want to talk more about like the, the lead gen part of it as well. But, um, you know, before we, I know you've been really busy and stuff. Prediction wise, um, I noticed you've also kind of mentioned a few predictions like for 2022 when it comes to ad spend. Uh, for those who are watching or listening new to you, and they're also thinking about ad spend, whether or not it's for their own business as a consultant or, you know, or, or for a large kind of um, FMCG or whatnot, um, those in Asia. So what, what do you think are going to happen over the next, like, you know, 2022 when we start looking at ad spend? Well, ad spend is always increasing year over year, right? The best thing about ad spend as a media buyer, I think you have to, a lot of people think that they just buy conversions, but I believe you have to buy clicks, right? If you ever watch a movie, uh, Moneyball, and there's a famous scene with Jonah Hill, and they say, hey, your goal isn't to buy uh, home runs, right? Your goal is to buy bases, right? And the more bases you buy, the potential home runs you can get, right? It's, it's just mathematical. But that's how I think about it, right? You should be, your goal is to buy clicks, cheap clicks as possible, right? And then hopefully that turns into conversions. A lot of people, they just want to buy conversions and sometimes it just doesn't work out because all they understand is, is uh, the conversion part, but they don't understand the click value or click journey, right. right? Next year and the years after, a lot of new platforms are gonna come out. TikTok's getting popular. YouTube is just starting. Snapchat is just starting. Uh, there are other platforms that are getting huge uh, organic reach. Like for example, anything that you search health-related, healthline.com, you can just buy ad directly on that site, right? Instead of going through a um, inventory box or a DSP box or, any, or anything of that nature. Um, so there's gonna be platforms like that, medium.com, core.com, Reddit. You're gonna buy ad directly on, on those platforms because of the high, high volume, right? So the idea is, what platforms do you want to use? Pinterest is very popular. Those are different ad styles, right? LinkedIn, uh, yeah, it's super expensive, but you know, depends on what your what your lead base is going to be. Um, yeah, you know, but LinkedIn, TikTok, Snapchat, video image related platforms will probably be the next uh, thing in traffic. But I feel like traffic is always evolving. It's just how fast can you get on top of it? Will it be cheap enough that you bounce on it because it was the first Facebook, right? Or maybe the first Google uh, before everybody jumps onto it, right? That's kind of the idea. And it's the reason why I always watch different sources of traffic. When I see an ad, I always be like, oh, where did this ad come from? Where is it being distributed from, right? right. So always to be on the lookout for new traffic sources, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, speaking about traffic source, like, do you find that more businesses now, because they're wanting to own the data a little bit more, instead of using an intermediary, like for their inventory, um, they're most, you know, like certain websites, whether or not it's entertainment or news or whatnot, that have high volume traffic uh, from a broad sense will begin to own their own kind of distribution um, ad platform. Yeah, of course. I mean, healthline.com is a perfect example. You know, it's, it's like a, a 25K minimum to be to advertise on, on their platform, right? Um, when you have, when you reach a certain amount of impression per day, you can say like, Hey, um, I have this amount of distribution. It's the reason why newsletters are getting so popular nowadays, because they have direct access to consumer, right? Um, like for example, the hustle 
Morning Brew is a very popular one. They can ask brands to be like, hey, we have a potential reach of 10 million people and we will email you twice a day, right? That's 20 million impressions they can potentially get, right? So that's, I think, the big discussion where owning your own data source is important. I mean, push traffic, like I started growing my own push traffic network as well. And with that sense, you have that data, you can be like, hey, I have a potential reach of a million uh, users. I will send your ad three, four or five times a day, right? So that's 5 million potential impressions. Um, but it really, really depends in how much time you want to spend on growing your own distribution channel, right? Morning Brew pays like $2.15 per lead. But when they first started, they, they were doing a viral campaign, right? And a lot, of, a lot of popular newsletters are doing the same thing, but uh, push networks. I mean, it's just, if you have your own distribution, of course, it's, it's better. You become your own traffic source. It's the reason why a lot of businesses, a lot of affiliate marketers, a lot of media buyers own their own email list because they have that potential to just email those users after the click, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, I see that with Tim Ferriss, for instance, like the Five Bullet, five bullet Fridays. And it's, it became like just a small email newsletter. Now he just, he just promotes that like hell now. Like he's, he's on that and he's got ads flowing through like on Facebook and all the other kind of social platforms just to, you know, just to capture those email addresses. Just exactly what you just kind of said before, like using that as, a, as leverage uh, when it comes to sponsors and stuff um, coming in. Yeah. I mean, so, email's hey, the only distribution yeah. channel that hasn't changed in as long as I've been on the internet. So. But do you, do you find though, as emails, like as people have jumped on the email bandwagon, the newsletter bandwagon, will you find though that the open rates and, and performance of newsletters will become, you know, I mean, more important, yes, but the, the actual performance will, will be worse because, you know, everyone will be just be on some sort of newsletter and then they're going to get spammed by, you know, all these like distributors. Yeah, I, yeah, there's a potential for that, but I, I feel like the reason why people sign up on newsletters because they are, they're interested, right? There's not like a, like with push notification, you, I'm kind of forcing you to join even though you don't have to. Whereas it's super actionable where you, you're typing in each letter of your email address, right? So there is a wanting fact, factor for it. Sure, there can be um, a lot of spam, but Google is so good at detecting it that people just report a spam Google black. Like, okay, let's just block x.com from 20% of inboxes. Let's see if anybody notices. Let's block 20, then let's start blocking 20, 30. And that's how uh, Google's inbox system works to just prejudge, right? Especially when they're getting a bunch of uh, reportings. Uh, but I mean, it's easy just for people to unsubscribe, right? So I think, I think there won't be much of a difference in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty interesting what you kind of said in terms of 2022, um, where like ads will be kind of basis well based more on the clicks like the importance of clicks will be much much higher um but also email capture like data is going to be so important i think that's one of the things like when i speak to clients here in asia um and elsewhere around the world like clean having a nice clean data is really really important um you know one client i had yeah. like they had like hundreds of thousands of emails like in their database but the the database was so dirty in a sense uh that it became really difficult to even try and do some simple custom audiences uh, like campaigns because, you know, it was missing so much data and it always became useless. And then there was so much bounce. Um, so like soft bounce, hard bounce um, coming yeah. in. So yeah, so I, yeah, I, it's I, important I, to I really clean the data first before emailing 
a lot of people make this huge mistake without cleaning and they just email and they basically destroy their ESP relationship or their servers or, or whatnot. So, yeah. And I think, I think another thing um, that's really important for emails um, and it kind of touches back on that landing page as well. Like you built this landing page, uh, you know, part of the traffic is, is this direct traffic that you're probably going to get through uh, your email database, hopefully. And then also your paid media as well, but with your email database, like it, there's a, there's an argument to, to say, Hey, if you've got a, a big base of like a hundred thousand, for instance, like it makes sense to leverage 10% to do that testing, you know, very similar to, to your methodology in terms of like, how much data can I leverage or use as test or waste, as you might say, like you would almost apply that same theory uh, with emails as well. Like how much, how much, what is the percentage of emails that I can yeah, use sure. or test? So, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's important to test the data that you have, especially if you're not consistent. If, if it could, the idea is to take cold and warm, right, and turn it to hot, right? So if you have a really cold list, I mean, you have to change your strategy on how to lukewarm your list to a hot list, right? So, yeah, it's always important to test small versus huge. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like having that, that email nurture campaign to, to kind of reactivate oh, yeah. Yeah, cold leads in a sense, or cold uh, cold email addresses to make them warm again. Yeah, it's really important. But hey, look, like um, finishing up, I got one question I ask all my guests on it. If you had to give an advice to a C-suite or a small business owner to improve their lead gen in order to sell their product or service, what is the key things you would advise them to review or look at? Copy. I think copy is super important. Um... Because a lot of people, a lot of small business owners, product owners, they want to write from their current point of view when they should write it from uh, uh, the consumer's point of view, right? So there's a actually good video by Simon Sinek. Um, he basically took a test with a homeless person and he adjusted their sign, not from the homeless person's point of view, but the, the giver's point of view, right? And the homeless person actually made their day's revenue in uh, one or two hours, I believe. And then that homeless person actually just left and decided, hey, I made enough money for a day. I don't need to do anything else, right? But but by changing the perspective of copy from uh, your, your business, you have to change it for the copy on the consumer side because it's a consumer you're attracting. It's not you you're attracting. You already know your business. That's awesome that you know your business, but the consumer doesn't. So how do you give it to the consumer's point of view and give it to them on copy. So they feel the emotional, they feel the need, they feel the need to sign up, they feel the need to do whatever you want, right? That's the idea. Copy, I think is it's, it's super, super important. important. Uh, you made a really good point, that mode of action that copy really makes. And that's what actually, in all, in all honesty, that's, I think that's what justifies why it's really important to find a really good copywriter and actually to pay that particular copywriter. That's, that's why they're worth quite a bit uh, with it. but. Ian, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I think anyone who's watching or listening got a ton of value, especially um, a little bit of a peek in the world of uh, you know, affiliate marketing and what you do. But for anyone who's watching or listening and they want to reach out to you, where are the best places to contact you? Obviously, the best is find me on my blog, my website, ianfernando.com. And then you'll find all my social media links, content links, uh, et cetera, on there. So infinite.com and if you have any questions just reach out sweet guys all right and i'll put that in the show notes below so guys thank you so much for watching and listening
Thank you, Ian. And for everyone else, I will see you on the next episode. Thank <laughs> you.